Well, as you know, we are spending these weeks in uh, the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. And we're really looking at the idea, the, the question of what does it mean to live the love to which we have been called? What does it mean to reflect the love that has been lavished upon us by God? What is genuine love? It is that integrated love that issues from a transformed heart, a heart that is transformed by God's love. And so it is, as we have been talking and looking at Romans 12, it is the process of showing up, of presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. It is the process of saying no to the spirit of this age which calls us away from those things that are primarily about God's love. It is the process of being humble, as we looked at last week, where Paul says to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And today we want to look at the way in which it is also about being curious. And curiosity in many ways is the flip side of humility. Curiosity is a certain kind of not knowing that is born of trusting in God. It is, if you will, humility turned outward to the world. And so I want to start at the beginning of the chapter and read through to verse 8 today and centering on this whole notion of how genuine love is also about being curious. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. So would you pray with me, please? Lord, by your mercy, turn our eyes inward that we may understand what a great gift we have been given, a gift that we could not give ourselves or produce ourselves your gracious love. And then turn our eyes outward to the world, understanding that you have bestowed that gift on your creation. And help us to see the signs of that in the people and in the things we encounter. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Story came to me this week that happened when I was, I think, probably four or five years old. Amazing how the older you get, the more you can remember way in the past and the lefts you can remember about 10 minutes ago. But 
this particular story was of a birthday that I had. I, I had to be four or five years old. I couldn't have been older than that or younger than that because I probably wouldn't have remembered. But uh, the, uh, I think it was four or five years old and it was a, a gift that my grandmother was giving me for my birthday. And we arrived at her house. My sisters and my mother and I arrived at her house and she said, well, your gift is out in the rumpus room. Did, did anybody have grandparents who had rumpus rooms? We always used to just snicker at it as kids. But it was this naughty pine room kind of separated from the house off the carport. And it was wonderful. It was filled with soft furniture and a fireplace and a television set. And my grandfather would be out there smoking his pipe usually. And my mother used to say that my grandfather's pipe was like Mount Vesuvius when he laughed. Uh, that... Uh, the ash would spray out of the pipe as he breathed through it heavily. But uh, anyway, the rumpus room was a cozy place. It was filled with all sorts of things. But the gift, my grandmother said, was too big to wrap. And so she put it in the rumpus room. So we all marched out to the rumpus room. And she said, go ahead, look for it. And I just started looking for it. And I ran all around the rumpus room looking for a gift that was too big to wrap in my mind. That was probably some kind of incredible toy that would just have all sorts of wonderful things that would entice a four or five-year-old. But I kept moving around the room and I couldn't find the gift. And probably said something like, I thought you said it was too big to wrap. And my mother knew what the gift was. I think my sisters had been clued into it, which is a whole nother story um, that <laughs> characterizes my life. But I'll, I'll talk about that <laughs> some other time. And, and I just kept running around the room and, and it got kind of more and more obvious that I was not seeing this gift that was too big to wrap. Until finally my grandmother said, there it is. And she pointed to a, a child-sized rocking chair, a maple rocking chair, which I still have the pieces of because it broke. Someday I'll sand it and put it back together. But there it was and I sat in it and I rocked and, you know, the gift was given, but I didn't see the gift because I was expecting something else. And isn't that the way in terms of most and many gifts that we receive in life is that we project into something what we think the gift is and so we're unable to see what it, it actually is. That that we don't see the gift because we're expecting something else and, and our projections rule the day. And in the absence of curiosity, we can't see what is there because we're only imagining in our minds what isn't there. While Paul doesn't use the word curiosity in Romans 12, nor does he use it in 1 Corinthians 13, I think he is speaking to it and its role in this discussion of the components of genuine love. As he says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful, it does not insist on its own way. And for love to be these things, it must also remain open. It has to remain curious. It has to look deeply for something that may not be apparent at first glance. Patience and kindness and humility, if you will, not being boastful, 
not insisting on our own way, those are things that make room for that kind of not knowing that is curiosity, that is discovering what actually is there. The body of Christ has many members. We all know that. The kingdom of God is composed of many ethnicities. We all know that. It's a very diverse, very, 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 very big tent that comprises God's kingdom. But in the midst of this diversity, there is something that unifies all of us. And Paul identifies it right at the beginning of Romans 12. By the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies. I urge you not to conform, not to be pressed into the mold of this present age. I urge you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. By the mercies of God, I hope that you will be inspired to a, a sober judgment, especially with respect to yourself and to others. Mercy both humbles us and it emboldens us. I'm not as great as I think, and so I stand in needs of God's mercy, and therefore that is humility. But I'm a part of something, I've been included in something that is more than I can ask for or imagine, and therefore I am emboldened by my identity as a child of God because I know myself to be a part of God's work. And curiosity is that humility that looks for the ways in those around you and outside of you and how they have the same gift of mercy and calling to respond to that mercy. Mercy inspires curiosity. It's not just me that's a recipient of this mercy. It is everyone and everything that God has created and God has redeemed. And that gives pause. What it ought to do is inspire us to step back and to try and take in how God is at work in others and in other situations that we might not initially understand. And all of us have a part in reflecting God's love and and giving witness to God's mercy because we are all products of that mercy. It's really a lot like what Jesus says, you have to turn and become as a child in order to enter the kingdom of God. I have a good friend, Elizabeth Nordquist, and a long time ago when her eldest grandchild was was just a toddler or verbal, but maybe about the same age I was when I got my rocking chair, I don't know. But he was out walking with his grandfather, John, Elizabeth's husband, and he asked this question as they were looking at various things along this trail that they were walking. I still, his name is Dalton, and I still, I've never met Dalton, but I, I know this question that Dalton asked because Elizabeth used it in a sermon. So here's that preacher plagiarism going on again. But... Uh, Dalton would ask this question, what does this tell us? A little Yoda in the making. But what does this tell us? It's the reason why Jesus has become as a child, the child has that curiosity, what does this tell us? 
the Seder, the, the Passover Haggadah, the celebration of, of Passover, the liturgy for that, the Haggadah has a, a child who gets the ball rolling in that celebration. Why is this night different from other nights? Is what the child is supposed to ask. That's what's in the liturgy. The child gets to ask that question. And then, and then the saga of the Passover, the deliverance from Egypt is told in the, in the celebration of this meal. You turn and become as a child. Or it's, or it's Mr. Rogers' admonition that it's okay to wonder. I could sing the song for you, but I won't. Um, <laughs> Curiosity is humility turned outward to the world and to others. It is, if you will, a freedom to not know. It is the freedom to wonder. Because we know and are confident in the truth that we are made for relationship with God and secure in God's embrace, there's a lot that we cannot know and a lot that we can ask and be curious about. The call to love, I believe very clearly, is the call to curiosity. To let go of our projections and assume there's something more going on than what we see on first sight. Because God's at work. And so something bigger than what I see must be going on as well. I have to confess that one of the most disturbing things that I find about this present age in which we live, about our world, and I think it's been going on a lot longer than our present world, but we're experiencing it in, with, on steroids right now. What I find most disturbing is what I would call a kind of toxic certainty that exists in our world especially the way the spirit manifests, this spirit of toxic certainty manifests itself in contemporary politics. How many times do you read this in a quotation or an advertisement, a campaign advertisement, or a monthly newsletter from your representative? I'm here fighting for you in Olympia. I'm here fighting for you in Washington, D.C. The legislator as warrior is where we are in this day and age. And it's true on both sides, my friends. I'm fighting for you here in Washington. I'm fighting for you here in Olympia or wherever the legislature means. And what this ends up being or meaning actually is that these warriors are really just fighting to make sure that the fighters on the other side can't pass the wrong legislation. And that's just really a fun place for us all to be, isn't it? What ends up being true is not that these warriors are winning any battles, but they are fighting a war that's not unlike what Vietnam was like, where one side would take a hill and then lose it, and the other side would take it and then lose it, and the same hills just keep going back and forth in the possession of the different warriors. 
I need to tell you that I have very little hope that this dynamic will change in my lifetime. It will just persist. It has been there long before I was born, and it will be there long after I die. Like Paul, we live in Rome. And Rome didn't kick the bucket until about 300 years after Paul. The spirit of the age is powerful. But what is true is that we live both in it and yet also in anticipation of something that will outlive it. The redemption and the reformation of it. And I believe that curiosity, radical curiosity, is an act of subversion within the spirit of this age. Curiosity is a way of refusing to allow this spirit to press us into its mold and to engage the fight in the same way. It's the curiosity like unto that of the Samaritan who decides something more must be going on for this guy who's beaten up and unconscious by the side of the road. So unlike the priest and the Levite, he stops because they're either too busy or too worried about their ritual purity to stop and help this man. They don't know if he's a part of their tribe and they're on their way to the temple and they can't touch someone who isn't a part of their tribe. So they go past. But the Samaritan stops and he cares for this one. And and it's that story that Jesus tells in order to talk about this notion of neighbor. And our neighbor is everyone in this world because we are all a part of God's world. It's the curiosity of the Samaritan. It's also the curiosity of the two young men that Marcia told us about last week in our prayer time. The two young men who saw the guy on the bridge who looked like he was going to jump and decided to stop and decided to engage him, and decided to act on their curiosity. God's mercy makes us humble, and humility works itself out in mercy expressed to others. It inspires us to act in a manner according to the grace that has been given to us. And so the admonition before us, brothers and sisters, this and every day is to be curious. Because God is at work and God is daily inviting us to notice and to be a part of what he is doing. So let's pray. Lord God, by your spirit, help us to notice Help us to wait that beat and understand that first impressions are just that and may indeed be true, but there is always more that is true beyond that. Those first impressions might be an adequate expression of truth, but they are not the complete truth. An adequate expression 
and true in and of themselves, but not the complete truth. So help us to press on and stay engaged to see that bigger picture and to notice your work. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.